Episode 86 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Hope you're warm. Hope you've put down the shovel. Hope you've picked up a mug. Hope it's filled with a hot drink. Because it's time to talk some NBA hoops. Time to talk some Knicks. Time to talk some All-Star game as well. And we're debuting a new segment on the show this week. We'll get to that in the second half of the show. But first, the week that was in Knickerbocker land. What a good week until the last game. I'm, t- I'm telling you right now. I was hyped for this show uh, until about midway through the third quarter of Nick's Magic. <laughs> I was so excited to come back and I was, you know, revved up for another week of Knicks talk. The Knicks had played so well for just about all of the week uh, in between this show and the last show. And and then they just crapped the bed in Disneyland, basically, and blew it late on against Orlando. Really, really, for most of the second half. It was not a good performance from the Knicks. Uh, We'll diagnose the week that was in just a few moments. Uh, let's just say we'll diagnose that game in just a few moments. We'll start, though, with the good stuff, right? The Knicks had a really strong week overall. When you look at the bigger picture, Knicks made up a lot of games. They moved up in the standings. Knicks are now in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. How about that? The Knicks are playing some good basketball when you look at the full picture. It started out well, obviously. The Knicks get a nice 109-91 win over the Wizards. A game that, I th- you know... It's tough to, you know, name games, different things now as far as, you know, meaning, right? And, and things of that nature. But but not only was this a must win in, to a certain extent, it was a should win. You know, that kind of a thing. That's why I'm putting the preface on, you know, it's tough to name those kind of games as far as how much you need it. But the Knicks should have won that game. They needed to win that game. They go to D.C. They were relatively convincing uh, for the entire game. The Knicks led basically wire to wire. In a 109-91 win, Julius Randle was a beast as usual. Uh, 24 points, 18 rebounds in the victory. Uh, we'll get to Mitchell Robinson's injury as well, but in this game he had 10 points, 14 rebounds. We'll now be without Mitchell Robinson for some time. Uh, hopefully he gets better soon. Obviously the Knicks do need him moving forward. Alfred Payton was was okay. 12 points on 12 shots, two assists, and three rebounds. Another tough night for R.J. Barrett. The more people I talk to about R.J. Barrett, the more I'm feeling people are concerned about his development. I, I get where it's coming from. He's been inconsistent this year, no question about it, and, and he's not efficient enough from the field. And, and, and you know, the other part, he's not a great three-point shooter. Uh, there's been so many times this season when R.J. Barrett has has thrown an 0-for up from the three-point line. This game, he just went 0-for-1. But if I, I'm sure if I went back through R.J. Barrett's game logs, there's probably four or five 0-for-5s in there. So he's had a rough season shooting the basketball. But the Knicks, again, defensively were fantastic in this game. And the bench was massive. Derrick Rose had 14 off the bench with six assists and four steals, by the way, which is very impressive. And then Emmanuel quickly, despite a little bit being a little inefficient from the field, did score 16 points off the bench. And that was the difference. The Knicks bench points 
in this game kind of canceled out the starters stuff from the Wizards almost by themselves. Uh, Russell Westbrook at 23. Um, other than that, you know, Rui Hachimura really kind of struggled in this game. Only had 10 points on five rebounds. And Garrison Matthews had 14 points for the Wiz kids. And then on top of that, you know, Troy Brown Jr. really was the only player in double figures off the bench. So I, you know, it was a, in, in the end, a game the Knicks should have won they, and they won it convincingly. It was big, obviously, for the Knicks to get that one in the books as a win. And and I remember I, I circled this next game on the calendar at the beginning of this month, feeling like that's a game the Knicks should go in, feeling like they can win. Um, and and this game was this next game was as well the, this this game at home against Houston. I circled this game weeks ago, feeling like this this is a game the Knicks should win. Houston's not the same team that they were a season ago. They're relying on on basically uh, the 9 Kentucky team with with Wall and Cousins leading the fray and Eric Gordon of course is a rare, is one of the best shooters in the NBA but in this game they held Eric Gordon very quiet from deep he was only one of seven despite getting 24 points but you know John Wall had 26 but nobody else really hurt the Knicks to be quite frank off the bench a couple of double figures Sterling Brown and 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 David uh Nawaba had 11 each I don't think I pronounced that right so I apologize. 11 each off the bench. The Knicks scoring in this game, again, was fantastic as far as, you know, spreading the wealth. Five players in double figures. Julius Randle again, 22 and 9. Nerlens Noel in double figures. That was a bit of a surprise with 10 points, six rebounds, and a pair of blocks. A rare, you know, this, this is the one game where Alfred Payton really shined as a starter scoring the ball, he had 15 points, was efficient from the field with three assists, and then it was the usual suspects off the bench, Rosen quickly, I, we, we've, we've got to name these guys something now, I mean, it's getting close to, you know, uh, Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly have got to have a name, right, they've got, they're a dynamic duo off the bench, names have got to be starting to be thrown around, maybe they have been already, I've been, I've missed it, I don't know, Something's got to happen there, and I and, and I feel like, you know, those two, since Derrick Rose has come in, they've just been fantastic. Obviously, we'll get to their to the one exception in a second, but 22 points from Emmanuel quickly, and Derrick Rose had 16 off the bench and had three assists. They were both fantastic. It was also nice to see Obi Toppin in double figures off the bench. When he, when he gets going, right, when he's going to be you know, getting more acclimated to the NBA, had an injury he was dealing with earlier in the season. He's going to be a huge boost at some point, I feel like, this season for this team. Obi Toppin can score 15 a night. He can. He's he's already capable of doing that. He's just trying to get his legs under him. And, and I feel like once he gets acclimated to what this team's doing offensively, and he's right... Obi Toppin, again, is going to be a huge, he's going to be the extra jet fuel the Knicks could need to get through difficult parts of the season that might be upcoming in March and April. So I'm really excited to see him moving forward. Obi Toppin also knocked down a three, so that was good to see as well. Confidence from with that for him is important. 121-99, the Knicks basically led wire to wire again on their way to a relatively you know, convenient, easy win. It was impressive. 
Very impressive from the Knicks. No question about it. Turned it into a back-to-back win situation. And they carried that momentum into the Garden for the game against the Hawks. 123-112. And despite the starters hurting the Knicks and you know some decent uh, performances from Hawk players off the bench, Gallinari had 16, Mays had 11, you know, Reddish, the former Duke star, had 16. Trey Young was Trey Young, although he got most of his points from the free throw line, only made one three. That was likely a big difference in the game. Clint Capella had a double double and 19 points as well from John Collins. Despite all of that, I mean, the difference in the game was Julius Randle. Julius Randle's best game as an Knicks scoring wise 44 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. What can't this man do? I mean, what, what can't this man do? seriously and he knew he knew the all-star voters were watching he wanted to throw another one in there to remind them who to vote for when the ballots were were finally being you know the final ballots were being counted good game from rj barrett much needed good game from him 21.6 rebounds three assists and and, you know it was nice to see reggie bullock get back into the mix you know we, we hadn't seen him in a little while hadn't been contributing you know, dealing with some things. So it was it was good to see him come in, knock down some threes, and do his thing as a starter. You know, Derek Rose only had eight points, but Emmanuel quickly had 16 points. You know, the, I'm trying to think of like a, a combination of their names that's, that's good. I can't think of it. I can't think of one. So if you guys, maybe you guys have already done this. I don't know. I, I don't keep track of this stuff, but, but if we, you know, we maybe put our minds together on this maybe we could come up with something uh rosen quickly something with something with those two names emmanuel quickly and Derek rose i don't know what we would do but d quick i don't know i don't know i'm just throwing it out it's not good i know it's not good i'm just throwing it out there i'm, I'm afraid to say anything because I, I I know it's not Rosley. I I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know. We got to figure something out because these two, for the I mean, again, the the exception was the game against Orlando, but everyone played poorly. So like, we got to come up with something here. We've got to come up with something here. Let me know. Postingandtoasting.com in the comments or at SJ7 on Twitter. Something's got to happen here. These two are too good to not have a nickname for their their, their off the bench duo here something's got to go down i can't think of it because i'm not good at this stuff help me out in the comments below okay 123 112 Knicks win over the hawks i just love the way emmanuel quickly's mentality seems to be you know he he doesn't he doesn't think he's a rookie the confidence is sky high for emmanuel quickly and i and and tibbs i think has something to do with that i i don't think that emmanuel quickly First of all, I don't think Emmanuel quickly is a Nick if Tom Thibodeau is not the coach. I, I, I would guess if the Knicks had gone in a different direction or, you know, some, for, remember, remember the crew out there from you guys that were uh, not, not necessarily listeners of my show, but people on Twitter that were hitting me up saying uh, that Mike Miller should come back as the head coach. I don't know if Emmanuel quickly is a Nick if Tom Thibodeau is not the head coach. So he brings him here with that great trade on draft night and He's instilled, he's just given him a ton of confidence and it's, it's amazing to watch. And even when quickly he's not having a good night, he doesn't change that mentality. And, and, and again, he makes rookie mistakes at times. He's a rookie. I, I just, I just love the way that kid plays the game. Uh, Derek Rose, you know, again, uh, only eight points 
but did have two blocks, which is impressive, three assists, and three rebounds. He, he's turned out to be a great signing already for this Knicks team. And by the way, you know, again, if the Knicks go get where they possibly want to go this year and can possibly get this year, which is the playoffs, Derek Rose is a playoff performer. He's made big plays in big games in the playoffs. So it's great to have a guy like that at your disposal who has bought into this role of being basically a microwave off the bench that's going to come in and try to make something happen specifically on the offensive end of the floor. And and those two, the the, the Rosely duo, I, I, I'm sticking with it for now until we come up with something better, but Rose and Quickly have just been fantastic for the Knicks off the bench. And I, I know I, we're getting too used to it, I think, but Julius Randle, I, I mean, we'll get to the all-star stuff in a second. That guy's an all-star. He really, he's had that good of a season for this Nick team. He's been fantastic. All right, we got to get to the negative now. I watched from the second quarter on, so I missed the best part of the Knicks' performance, which was the opening quarter of this game. I watched it back. The Knicks were great at times in the first quarter. They had a nine-point lead. Uh, you know, Julius Randle, you know, was kind of in control of the game early at 25 points in the end. Peyton was... Pretty good, 13 and, and, and 5 assists. R.J. Barrett, 15 and 7. The, the difference in this game was the bench did not give the Knicks a ton. I mean, I know Manuel quickly gave them 9 points, but he only made one shot from the field. He had 7 of his points from the free throw line, and Derrick Rose was really poor. 1 of 10 from the field, 4 points, and 2 of them came at the free throw line. He did have 6 rebounds and 2 dimes. You know, a frustrating game because the Knicks, the Knicks should have won that game. You know, and in the end, Orlando snatches back some momentum in the second quarter. Still tight going into halftime, but I remember thinking midway through the quarter that was a the Knicks started to let it get away from them, and the Knicks only scored fourteen points in the third quarter. They they really just let it get away from them at that period of time, and and I didn't feel like the Knicks were going to get it back. In the fourth, they, they didn't even trim into the lead. The, the Magic extended the lead, and, and they won 107-89. to 89. Listen, it, it, this performance kind of came down to two things for me. The, the Knicks were really poor shooting the ball as a team. Obviously, you know, Rosen quickly, the, the, the one time that, you know, during this stretch, they just were terrible from the field. Only made two shots from the field between them. Uh, most of their points came from the free throw line. And the Knicks shot... 26 percent actually just a shade under 26 percent from deep that's it you know make or miss league the knicks didn't make their shots you know because they again what holding orlando to 107 you get it you got a chance to win that game that that's the great part about having tom thibodeau as your coach and and, and this culture working they they kept themselves hanging around they would have kept themselves i should say hanging around in this game if they just made some shots and they didn't the bench did not give them enough on a rare night for that. And despite Julius Randle putting in another great performance, you know, nobody else really was able to be the, the secondary guy to, to pick up the slack for the lack of bench scoring. So that was the difference in the game. Uh, Fournier had 19, Vucevic, who kills the Knicks, 16 and 16. Uh, Bacon had 15. Um, and Terrence Ross, former Raptor, had 30 off the bench that right there is your difference maker in the basketball game and again 107 to 89 tough third quarter in particular that was really when the game got away 
from the Knicks. And again, from the first quarter to the third quarter, the Knicks went from up nine. <laughs> up nine, you know, down to down 11 going into the fourth. And it, and it, and it got worse from there. So difficult one for the Knicks to swallow. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those, you know, you go, you're up nine, then you're down big going into the fourth. Tough to come back from that on the road. Knicks weren't able to shoot their way out of it and it, it ended up digging themselves a bigger hole, getting outscored as well in the fourth. So a bummer, a, a bummer going into this show. I, it was really high flying for most of the week. And then, uh, the Knicks have a, a bit of a letdown. It's disappointing because this was a big opportunity for the Knicks to get back to 500 and then feel like you're going into the Minnesota game with a chance to get above 500 and really get on the other side of this and potentially, you know, maybe go on a run and, and maybe try to get higher up in the standings. And, and I don't, I don't want to say build yourself a cushion, but you, you want to, you know, if you're competing for a top four spot in the East, you're a contender. So the Knicks were kind of, you got to felt like if they'd won this game, there was an opportunity there for the Knicks to maybe climb a little bit more in the standings but you know now the minnesota game's got a little bit of extra edge to it because the knicks you know should go in there and bounce back and get a win but the good news is is you know with the way this team has been playing you expect them to do that you know you expect them to go back regroup coach tibbs is gonna have extra days to to ram these guys in practice and remind them you know what the message is how they're supposed to be playing knicks basketball and i can't remember the last time i was that confident that a coach could do that so I keep going back to that, but it's, it's, it's kind of my, you know, my reason to stay optimistic despite a disappointing defeat for the Knicks in a game they probably should have won. So it's, it's disappointing. No question because the Knicks are a better team than the magic. The magic have really fallen off since the last time these two have played. Uh, from what I've seen, the magic have, you know, they've dealt with a little bit of injuries at times guys in and out of the lineup, but more specifically, they're just, you know, they're just struggling to, to defend in a lot of games. And they, and they didn't really need a lot of help in this game against the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks, you know, shot themselves out of the game. So, and again, Orlando's not a good defensive team. The Knicks, uh, you know, basically beat themselves. It was self-inflicted wounds and not knocking down shots. So in the end, that was the difference. And the Magic come out with a win. And the Knicks, despite a great week, you know, ended on a bad note. So... But in the end, you know, again, you look back at the week as a whole, it's a good week for the Knicks. They beat some pretty good teams in the Hawks and the and the Rockets. And, you know, despite a tough loss to Orlando, are still, you know, within striking distance of getting back to 500. You know, a couple wins to finish off the month. And, and again, listen, the, the month is not exactly easy, but Minnesota at home and Golden State at home are winnable. Sacramento at home is winnable. Pacers at home, it's winnable. Then two games on the road. By the way, that San Antonio game that's supposed to be played on Saturday is postponed, so Tibbs gets some extra practice time to uh, get the guys back on track. At Detroit, very winnable, and then at San Antonio. You know, so these last six games are, are pretty big. This is a big swing, or I should say the last five of the month and then the first game of, the, of March. Very big, you know, couple of weeks here potentially for the Knicks. Again, I, I kind of said, you know, uh, sort of a prediction that I thought the Knicks could get above 500 by the end of the month. It's right there for them. It's right there for the taking. I think a win over Minnesota to get within one game of 500 is huge because then the last, the last four games of the month are very winnable, very winnable. And you could potentially get to 500 or even maybe above 500, depending on how well the Knicks play. So 
Listen, despite the magic loss, I'm pretty excited. It was a good week overall. Rosen quickly need a nickname because they're really bleeping good off the bench, uh, except when they're in Orlando. So, you know, we got to figure this out. Um, I'm excited about that. And in all seriousness, defensively, the Knicks overall this week, you know, even the Orlando game for the most part, were strong. You know, it was, they've continued to keep that identity moving forward. And that three game winning streak was crucial because the Knicks had lost four of the last six at one point. And if you extend it back to January, the Knicks had lost seven of 10. So they really needed to get back on track. And they put together a really strong three-game winning streak to kind of stem the tide a little bit to get back on track. Now, you know, they dropped that Orlando game, but they beat if they beat Minnesota, they could possibly turn that into another bit of a winning streak going into March, where it is going to get tricky. You know, there's going to be some, you know, we'll, and we'll dissect that in the next couple of weeks, but March is not as easy of a schedule as February was. You know, there was a lot of winnable games in February, and when we get into March, it's still, it's going to be tricky. There's going to be it's going to be some tough stretches starting in in San Antonio. So we'll see how the Knicks handle that. But for right now, they've got a winnable game on Sunday that they've got to get against Tom Thibodeau's former team and Derrick Rose's former team, for that matter, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So we'll see how the Knicks handle that. All right, I'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk All Star Game. The All Star Game is official now. We'll talk a little bit about the reaction and the all-star starters have been announced. So we'll dive into what they're going to do for the all-star weekend. It's getting a little unorthodox, I have to say. We'll talk about that. Talk about the voting and the all-star starters. And we're debuting a brand new segment on the show. So look forward to that as well. Coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. All right, second half of the show, we're diving back in here. We're talking All-Star weekend. So the All-Star game is going to happen, folks. It's going to happen. There was a lot of backlash uh, about whether or not the NBA should do it. They're going to do it. We are having an All-Star game, and it's going to happen in Atlanta as the proposal. Uh, you know, we, we found out you know, if, if it was going to happen, the proposal was to put it in Atlanta. It's going to be in Atlanta on March 7th. The catch is it's not a weekend. It's one day. It's an all-star day, which I was a bit surprised at, I have to say. Normally, it's, you know, the celebrity game would probably be, what, on a Friday night normally? Something like that. Then all-star Saturday night, uh, and the Rising Stars game gets mixed in there as well. Then you All-Star Saturday night, you've got the Skills Challenge, you've got the three-point shootout, and you've got the dunk contest. Well, we're going to get the Skills Challenge. We're going to get the three-point contest. We're going to get the dunk contest as well. But they're happening on the same day as the All-Star game. Yeah, that's happening. It's All-Star Sunday night, and the All-Star game is the end of it. So it's going to be the skills contest, then the three-point contest, then the dunk contest, and then the nightcap is the All-Star game. 
So apparently how they're going to do this is they're actually splitting it up a little bit a little bit differently around the All-Star game. So basically, and this is crazy, I, I did not think this was actually going to happen, but I remember reading about a proposal of this, you know, maybe a month ago, that this was potentially in the cards. I didn't think they'd do it. And, and that's why I didn't mention it on the show. They're doing it. it it's crazy. Um, but here's how it's actually going to work. So the skills challenge and the three-point contest will happen before the game starts. The dunk contest is going to happen at halftime of the All-Star game. I don't know how they're going to do that. The All-Star, the dunk contest is usually like, it It could be half an hour to an hour long, depending on dunk-offs and, and, and things like that. Halftime's going to be 15 minutes. So they're going to fit a dunk contest? I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. Also, what if an All-Star wants to be in the dunk contest? That's going to be, I don't know. It probably won't happen because that doesn't always happen. Most of the time, the dunk contest people, the contestants in the dunk contest don't normally play in the all-star game, at least not of late. But that's going to be a little odd. If that ends up being a scenario, it's a lot for one night. I think I think every time I, I've read something about it, that phrase, it's a lot. There's a lot going on on one night, basically. Uh, one of the cool things is uh, Kobe Bryant's going to be honored during the All-Star Day. Um, basically, uh, they're incorporating 24 points into the calculation of the final target score. Same format was used in 2020. It's it's really cool. It's great that they're still honoring Kobe, and you know it's, it's exciting that that's going to be part of it once again this year. Uh, the NBA says they're also going to be donating... More than $2.5 million to historically black colleges and universities around the country, as well as for COVID-19 relief, which is also a great thing that the NBA is doing. Um, the one thing that's unclear is whether or not it's going to be split between the two or how it's going to be split between those two causes. Um, but it's great to see that those those two causes will be getting some money and support played towards them, uh, paid towards them, I should say. Um, the, the criticism has been mighty uh the biggest critic you guessed it lebron james um he has been vehemently against having an all-star game draymond green also has been against um having an all-star game kind of turned into a bigger deal of the players not being treated well enough um in their towns when they want to leave things of that nature so you know kind of talked about it being a bigger problem than just the all-star game LeBron talks more specifically about the All-Star game and just basically says he has no interest. No energy. He's not going to put any interest towards it, basically. Um, so he's not in it. He's not, he doesn't want to he's gonna be he's gonna be he's gonna be there apparently, but he's not he's not gonna be interested in putting in a bunch of effort. Um Chris Paul, the president of the Players Association, um, basically said the players could voice their concerns, but he also supported the idea of playing the game uh his quote basically his quote i talked to braun maybe a week or two ago i talked to steph a few guys uh he said emotions happen guys have feelings you got to be able to express them and i respect that chris paul by the way is an epic like mediator i don't think anyone's like given given him a lot of credit for that over the last few years when things like this have come up when the players have big decisions to make or they're clashing with the league or you know things of that nature chris paul is like epic with like keeping the peace like he's so great with getting things 
done and, and trying to you know have things in best interest for the players. He, he's they couldn't have elected much better of a, of a of a player's president. He's Chris Paul is just what a leader, right? I mean, Chris Paul is just a leader of men on the court, and he's just fantastic when it comes to this kind of stuff with the players association as well. So I give Chris Paul a lot of credit for this kind of a thing. You know, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, gets, you know, swept under the rug at times, but, but it shouldn't be. Um, obviously De'Aaron Fox has been a critic of it for a few weeks now as well. Here's, here's the deal. I, I was, I guess you could, I mean, I'm pro playing the game. If the players want to play it, that was kind of my stance on it. I think a show or two ago, maybe two shows ago now, when I initially talked about this, I, I, if the players want to play, they should be allowed to play. You know, the NBA has been able to figure this out with, with you know, they, they've been the best with COVID testing, the bubble. They've set the example for sports during a pandemic. If they can pull it off and the players want to play, then we should play the game. You know, it's important, you know, not only for exposure of the game and and the black lives matter movement and things like this that the nba is going to do but it's also important for the fans the fans want to see the players you know as normal of a year in a year where it's not normal at all doing something as normal as possible so this is this is good for everybody i feel like that the that the nba is going to pull this off the odd part the twist is the is the shoving it all in one day thing that was not something i expected I thought the NBA would, would just maybe, you know, again, if I remember correctly, I think I slightly misspoke earlier. The NBA All-Star Weekend is technically four days, if I remember correctly. I think the Celebrity Game might be on a Thursday, actually. Then the Rising Stars Game is either on, I, I'm pretty sure, it's, I guess it's on Friday. And then it's All-Star Saturday night. And then Sunday night is the All-Star Game. They're basically cutting, they're cutting some of it, obviously. But they're shoving it all into one night. I mean, that's a lot for one night. And again, there's been... I mentioned the dunk contest thing being an issue. There's guys that are going to be probably in the skills contest and in the three-point shootout that are going to be playing in the All-Star game. I'm not saying that they're going to be breaking a sweat, potentially. But that's a lot in one day. It is. So I, I, I am a little curious how that's going to work. I, I think they're going to have to really manage minutes a lot more in the all-star game specifically, I think, specifically for the guys that have been in the skills challenges. You know, you don't want these guys to get hurt. Um, you also don't want to overplay these guys. Um, so there's going to be decisions that have to be made. I mean, that that's the bottom line. The coaches and the league are going to have to figure out what to do about that because that is not going to be, uh, I think, as straightforward as, you know, many think it could be. So, they're going to have to figure that out. That's not going to be, you know, a snap of the fingers kind of thing. So I'm curious how they're going to figure that out. But fun, but the bottom line is, despite the criticism, I'm excited that they're having the game. I think I'd argue mo- from what I've seen, most players are happy that this is happening. And I, I think it's, I think it's great for the league. And I think it's great for the fans. I think this is a great uh, boost to, to planet NBA, if you will, for, uh, for this to be happening. I think, I think it should, it should go on. It's always a lot of fun and the guys get to fool around on the court. So I, I'm excited for that. And, and, and then in the fourth quarter, they'll, they'll play a little bit of real basketball. Uh, let's quickly dive in. Cause I didn't want to debut the new segment to finish the show, but let's, let's do uh, the all-star starters. This just came out by the way, 
like literally 30 minutes before I started recording. So I'm just looking at this now. The West starters, LeBron's the captain, shocker. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, and Nikola Jokic. A lot of votes for Nikola Jokic this year for the All-Star game. Those are your starters for the West All-Star team. Very, very interesting. A lot of love for Jokic. Was not expecting that, but it's well-deserved. No question about that. The East starters, some changes here as well, obviously. Two Nets, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are there. Kevin Durant, by the way, is the captain of the East All-Stars. Bradley Beal is an All-Star starter. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is an All-Star starter. He's normally the captain, but, but this year it's Kevin Durant. And rounding out the five is Joel Embiid. So that's your All-Star five for the East. Two pretty strong teams, obviously, as you'd expect. The one thing I was trying to find, and I apologize, I'm doing some of this on the fly because this just got announced. I don't think they've announced the All-Star Reserves. I don't. I haven't seen it yet. I'm checking everywhere. I, I've checked Shams. I've checked uh, Ian Begley. I, I've been checking everywhere. I, I don't see... I've been checking Woj. I don't see it. So I, I don't think that they're doing it yet. So I guess we might have to wait a week here to react to whether or not you know, Julius Randle is going to be an all-star. I, I haven't seen the reserves. Uh, yeah, they're not announced. Everywhere I've looked, they're, they're not announced yet. So we're going to have to wait to see who the all-star reserves are going to be. Uh, we do not know who they will be yet for either side. So we, we wait. And it's going to be interesting to see who, who makes it and who doesn't. I'm pulling hard for Julius Randle. If you haven't voted for him, go vote for him. He deserves to be there in Atlanta. Hopefully he gets his shot. You know, I, he's deserved it. I think that 44-point game, you know, really shows, you know, he he should be there. He should be there as a reserve for the All-Star game this year. I hope he gets there representing the Knicks. It'd be cool to see another Nick in the actual All-Star game. It's been a while. You know, we got to go back to Mello. Last time the Knicks have had a player in the all-star game. So it'd be great to get Julius Randle a spot on the roster, but we will see how that goes. All right. I'm going to round out the show with a brand new segment. It's, a sh- it's actually a segment I've done on another podcast. I do, uh, which I haven't had the chance to do this year, just because of all, all my work uh, in, in broadcasting and in media on my college hoops podcast, but I'm going to bring it to this show because I just feel like, I've been missing it. I just haven't had the chance to do it. And it's one of my favorite games to play. Stock up, stock down. NBA edition. Every week, you know, if you guys like it, I'm going to have a small segment at the end of the show, basically just going stock up, stock down. One team stock up, one team stock down for each conference. Just giving you a little temperature check on what's going on with certain teams that maybe you're not following around the NBA. I'm going to try to keep it you know, Knicks specific, maybe teams that are coming up for the Knicks that they're going to play soon, just to try to give you more of an idea of what the Knicks could possibly be dealing with moving forward. But, you know, just on the debut this week, I'm keeping it kind of simple. I just kind of want to give you guys the gist of what it's about. So again, Eastern Conference, one apiece, stock up, stock down, one team apiece for each. And then Western Conference, one team each, one team stock up, 
one team stock that is down. In the East, believe it or not, stock down this week is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, this was tight. This was tight. The Bucs certainly made a case. They've lost four in a row, the Bucs have. It's been not not a great week and a half for Milwaukee. But the Cleveland Cavaliers, who were in a playoff spot two weeks ago, have lost eight in a row. And they have fallen to 14th in the Eastern Conference standings. They're second to last in the East at the moment. The only team with a worse record is your very own Detroit Pistons. So it's it's a really, oh my goodness, has it been a rough couple of weeks for the Cleveland Cavaliers. The bottom line is this. They, they cannot win on the road. They struggle on the road in, in, in particular. And they we, we've seen it at times against the Knicks. The Cavs do not have enough scoring on that team. It's been a bit of a struggle. No question about it. But it, the last, goodness, eight straight losses for the Cavs. It's the longest losing streak I think I've seen from a team this season. And and listen, the other the other thing worth mentioning, you know, these have been blowouts. There, there have not been many close games over the last few weeks. For the Cavs. They got blown out twice by the Bucks. They lost to the Suns. They got taken to the woodshed by the Nuggets. The Blazers took them took them out behind the barn and took care of business. And then they lost to the Clippers, you know, fair play. But then they got waxed by the Warriors. So their their last win was against the Timberwolves, who are not good. And and by the way, the day before or, or yeah, the day before that, they lost to the Timberwolves. So they've actually lost uh, nine of their last 10. And if you want to go actually include the Knicks game, they've lost 11 of their last 12. The Cavs have overall. And they went from a team that was kind of in the mix to being very much out of it at the moment. So again, things can change very quickly in the NBA and and the Cavs are a huge stock down this week in the NBA. No question about that. Stock up. In the East, I was debating this one. This is tough because there's really only two teams that have been, you know, putting together the victories and really, you know, improving their positioning, right? I'm going to give it to Brooklyn because they jumped up to second place in the East. Four straight victories. Again, they can't defend. That's That's been the struggle for the Nets this season. But they've leaped over the Bucks. And they're gaining on those 76ers for the top spot in the East. They're only a game and a half back of the top spot. Durant's playing well when he's been in the lineup. Kyrie Irving trying his best to do his thing. And James Harden's, for for now, at least offensively, is fitting the role that these Nets want him to have. So, for now, stock up on Brooklyn. They They look okay right now. But basically, it's because they've made up some ground. In the Eastern Conference, they've passed the Bucks. They've got a bit of a cushion now on the Pacers. And they could be fighting for the top spot in the East if they can keep playing this kind of basketball. So Brooklyn's a stock up at the moment. Again, things change. You know, the stock market changes in 
in in in finance it changes in the nba the nets beat the pacers the warriors the kings and the suns by the way three straight road wins out west for brooklyn that's impressive that's very very impressive considering also who they beat as well so the nets deserve a lot of credit they went through a gauntlet out west and won all three games so they they've bounced back since falling by 11 at detroit and they've kind of reminded everybody that yeah no we're good we're a good team and they were able to prove it over the last week all right out west stock up who's who's got the stock up right now who's the team that's really making moves out west i'll say this it's hard to ignore the utah jazz they've won nine in a row they look unstoppable they're the top seed in the in the west and they've got a game and a half lead on the lakers and a two and a half game lead on the clippers but i'm giving it to the portland trailblazers who have won six in a row yes not as good as the as not as good as the jazz but the blazers at one point we're, we're you know on the outside looking into the playoffs and now look at them they're at the four spot again they're, they could easily you know lose a couple games they could drop down to six or seven but they've made up a ton of ground and, and listen their schedule coming up overall difficult yes the wizards are next but then they've got the suns the nuggets the lakers the hornets and then the warriors so it's it, you know it could be could be singing a different tune about the fighting Damian Lillard's next week, but they've gone on a nice run. They beat the Magic, okay, but then they beat the Sixers. They took care of the Cavs, and then they went on the road and won three straight at Dallas, at OKC, and they pulled it out in New Orleans as well. So, I and you can kind of catch my theme here. Making up ground in the standings matters in stock up, stock down. It really does. The Portland Trailblazers are my stock up team out west. Buy a little Blazer stock right now. They've been playing pretty darn well over the last week and a half or so. Stock down. There's only one choice. There's only one choice out west at the moment. I Listen, there's a case to be made for Sacramento but it's houston it's houston it's gotta be the last seven games for houston have all been losses they haven't won since february 4th at memphis they here's here's the problem right the rockets have two wins all month in february they beat the Thunder on February 1st, lost to the Thunder, then beat the Grizz, and have lost seven straight. They lost in San Antonio. They lost to the Hornets. They got blitzed by the Pelicans. Lost at home to Miami. Got blown out by the Knicks at the Garden. This is the cherry on top of the Sunday. They go to they go to Washington and get waxed. And then you can't tell me, you can't expect them to go to Philly and get a win. The Sixers are the best team right now in the East. And they go there and they lose a tight game. So, seven straight losses for the 09 Kentucky, I mean the uh, Houston Rockets. 
And the and the Rockets have plummeted down the standings. And now they're in 13th. Or I should say tied with the Thunder in 13th. They are lucky the Timberwolves are awful. Because goodness gracious. It has been a rough stretch for the Houston Rockets. So if you got some Houston Rockets stock, I'd sell a few shares at the moment. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Let me know what you guys think of stock up, stock down. Let me know who you guys think has their stock going up, whose stock's going down around the NBA. Let me know your thoughts as always on the Knicks. Also, let me know your thoughts on the All-Star game and the All-Star night, day, format for Sunday, March 7th in Atlanta. Guys, thanks as always for listening to the podcast. Stay safe out there. If there's snow on the ground outside your house, stay warm. And I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.